0: reading is taken from Psalm 20 and is on page 553 of the Church Bibles. May the Lord answer you when you are in distress. May the name of the God of Jacob protect you. May he send you help from the sanctuary and grant you support from Zion. May he remember all your sacrifices and accept your burnt offerings. May he give you the desire of your heart and make all your plans succeed may we shout for joy over your victory and lift up our banners in the name of our God may the Lord grant all your requests now this I know the Lord gives victory to his anointed he answers him from his heavenly sanctuary with the victorious power of his right hand some trust in chariots and some in horses but we trust in the name of the Lord, our God. They are brought to their knees and fall, but we rise up and stand firm. Lord, give victory to the King. Answer us when we call. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: Good evening, everyone. I'm just gonna rearrange things here briefly. I noticed that Jonathan stole the water that I thought was mine as well, so I'm just going to pour a bit more, that's okay. (laughs) That's all right. Okay, so uh, my name is um, Joe Shepherd. I'm a familiar face to some of you, um, not to others. I've been coming to St. Paul's here for uh, about 13 years now. Um, I'm married to Claire, who comes along as well. She's been coming since she was about six, so uh, quite a lot longer than I have. Um, we're usually here at the 9.30 Sunday morning service. Um, we've also got uh, Corin, our four-year-old son, who keeps us um, very busy, as I'm sure you can imagine. Um, by trade, I'm a primary school teacher. This is the first sermon that I've preached. I did do this sermon at the uh, midweek service on Wednesday, but still the first sermon that I've ever preached. Um, I'm much more accustomed to um, standing up and sharing. Knowledge is something that I am used to, but it's most often seven, eight, nine-year-old children. Um, This is very different. The fact that you're sitting quietly and politely and listening will probably throw me completely. Um, So if any of you would like to throw a plastic toy at me or uh, Put your hand up to us to go to the toilet like six times, then feel free because you'll help me to feel like I'm in a more familiar and comfortable environment. Um, but we'll see how it goes. We're thinking about Psalm 20 and um, I'd just like to pray before we get started. So let's have, uh, let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for the Psalms. Thank you for these songs and poems right in the middle of our Bible that tell us so much more about you. I pray that you'd help me this evening to clearly say the words that you want me to say. And I pray that you'd bless all of us and that you'd help all of us to come away um, having been blessed by your Holy Spirit. Amen. So, Psalm 20. not one of the more well-known Psalms Um, and as I was reading this Psalm and also looking at Psalm 21 that goes alongside it, um, I realised that they're both very much about fighting and about winning. Um, Psalm 20 is a a prayer for victory by the people of Israel. Um, King David was leading his troops out to do battle Um, and the first five verses particularly are a prayer by the people of Israel, that that would be a successful campaign, and it's also a statement of, uh, of confident expectation in that victory. And then Psalm 21 that follows um, is a song of praise and thanksgiving after that victory has been won. Um, so my talk this evening is going to be um, unapologetically about fighting. Um, I did consider calling this sermon uh, "Do You Want to Fight," but I thought that might be unnecessarily provocative. Um, and might end up, uh, might land me in a situation that I uh, wouldn't like to handle either. So I'm not going to do that, but uh, it is very much about fighting um, and about winning. Um, As a topic, it might not sit very comfortably um, with us. And I think the reason for that probably um, is that we perhaps get a little bit mixed up with the way that the world interprets fighting and winning. Um, And we have people who talk in this way, All around us in society. Um, If we look at the world of politics, we mentioned um, in our prayers leaders, contemporary leaders like uh, Boris Johnson and like Donald Trump, men who um, come across very arrogantly, who boast unashamedly of their ability to fight and win and the fact that they're better than everyone else Um, and of course society rewards them with positions of great power and influence Um, despite the fact that their behaviour both in the past and presently is um, not always exactly what you'd say Christ-like. In the world of sport we see this as well. If you're a football fan then um, you'll probably be familiar with one of the game's most famous pantomime villains, the um, Spain and Real Madrid defender Sergio Ramos, who um, boasts openly, unashamedly of his willingness to win at all costs and his willingness to bend and to break the rules, um, including breaking the arms of his opponents on the field of play, um, purely in order to win some ultimately meaningless uh, medal, some ultimately meaningless trophy. Now, we um, react against this as Christians, as quite, quite rightly so, um, but this is not the type of fighting or the type of victory that we are called to engage in. Um, and I think the first thing to say about that is um, that our battle, of course, is not against flesh and blood. Um, and one of the verses that reminded me of this was um, Ephesians chapter 6 Verse 12, which I think we've got um, on the screens behind me, Um, this is at the beginning of uh, Paul's quite well-known passage about wearing the armour of God, Um, and in verse 12, uh, Paul says this, "'For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms.'" It's very rarely, although perhaps not never, but very rarely the case that you and I will be called to fight physically for God. Um, Ours is a spiritual battle and it's more likely that it will be characterised by um, perseverance in prayer, by standing up for someone or something or perhaps standing up against someone or something when we feel that God is calling us to do so. Um, Our battle might involve doing what God tells us to, even when it seems to be risky or dangerous to do so. So ours is a spiritual battle. And secondly, of course, the purpose of our fighting is uh, is very different. We're not fighting for a trophy or a medal. We're not fighting for more power, not for ourselves, um, or indeed just for the pleasure of seeing someone else lose. We are fighting for God's glory Um, and God is love and he loves all he has made Uh, and the reason that you and I are called to stand up and battle and fight spiritually um, is because of course the alternative to God's victory is um, victory for the devil, victory for him who seeks to deceive and to harm and to destroy. So we're fighting because we know that it's in the best interests of um, all the people of this world and creation itself. So I hope that you are um, ready to fight, um, and I hope that you're ready to win as well, because ultimately we can have complete faith that that is what's going to happen. And I want to look this evening at two things about this fighting. Um, First of all, the the when, and then the how, um, and more specifically, when is it right for us to fight, um, and how can we be successful? So we're going to start with um, when is it right? When is it right for you and I to fight? The first five verses of the psalm that we read, um, as I mentioned, are um, a prayer by the people of Israel. They're praying for David's success as he goes out to battle. But I think it's very important to bear in mind that we're not talking about a campaign of military conquest here. David wasn't looking to subdue or to suppress or extend his own territory. Um, He was fighting because the enemy were looking to, first of all, attack and destroy and kill God's people. Um, And secondly, their campaign was, um, well, tied into that really, was an attempt to erase the name of God and attack his dwelling place as well. Um, If David and the Israelites were not successful in this battle, then it was very likely that God's people, men, women, and children, would have been killed and slaughtered. Um, And it's very likely as well that the temple, considered at the time to be God's dwelling place where he lived, would have been ransacked as the enemies of the Israelites sought to uh, effectively erase God's name from history. So two reasons, I think, um, why David is leading out his troops to battle Um, firstly to protect God's people um, and secondly to protect God's dwelling place Um, and I want to think first of all um, about protecting God's people about the times that you and I are perhaps called to fight to protect God's people. In Old Testament times of course God's people were a particular um, ethnic group who lived in a particular place and Hence, the battles that they faced were often physical ones. Now, this is not usually the case for us. um, But in other ways, I think the battle to protect God's people is harder for us, is more challenging for us. Um, We, of course, have the uh, teaching of Jesus in the Gospels. um, And the New Testament makes it clear to us that um, God's people... First of all um, are the church, those who have chosen to put their faith in him, Um, but Jesus teaches us quite clearly as well that we should think of um, everyone as our neighbour. The parable of the Good Samaritan um, is very clear in this, all have been created in his image and um, wherever and whenever you and I see people being oppressed, people in need, um, we are called to stand up. And fight for them to assume this spiritual battle um, to protect them. Now, this is hard and quite often countercultural. And if you're anything like me, you will fail regularly as you attempt to engage in this battle. Um, there was a situation that I was faced with just a couple of months ago now in the centre of Leamington as I was walking through the parade. It was a Saturday morning, um, and I'd left home about half an hour earlier, and my wife and I, Claire, had had an argument before I left home, totally inconsequential. I can't remember for the life of me what it was about, um, of no significance whatsoever. Um, I don't know if this is just me and my wife that uh, have these arguments. I expect it's probably not the case. Um, But because of this argument I was in a bad mood, I was in the middle of town, um, not in a very good mood, I was also in a bit of a hurry, I knew that I had about half an hour to do a few different jobs, so I was um, storming down Regent Street I think it was, head down, probably muttering to myself in a bit of a grump, um, in a bit of a hurry. And a chap on the other side of the road um, called out to me, not my name, he called out, hey, or something like that. Um, and I turned to look at him, and it was obvious that he was quite destitute. He was, looked like he was probably a homeless chap, um, sleeping bag wrapped, wrapped around him. Um, and from a bit of a distance away, he shouted across the street at me, um, will you get me some food? And I'm embarrassed to admit that my response was to look at him, and to say, "No, I'm sorry, I can't," and just keep walking. Um, now, I've confessed this sin to God. I think it will probably be a long time before I uh, I forget that man, because I'm very conscious of the fact that at that moment I failed. I failed to do what God wanted me to do. I didn't um, stand up and fight for this chap. I didn't provide him with what he needed. Um, and I think that um, if if ever we need a reminder, if ever you and I need a reminder of just how seriously God wants us to take this, then um, Matthew chapter 25, the parable of the sheep and the goats, um, is a uh, a very worthwhile reminder about how seriously you and I are called and God wants us to stand up for the oppressed, stand up for those who are hungry, stand up for the naked, stand up for the sick, we should feed them. We should clothe them um, and we should heal them. Of course, there is forgiveness. We believe in a God who forgives. And when we do fail, as I frequently do, and as I'm guessing you will do as well, um, then we are forgiven. Um, But we should take the responsibility seriously. We should engage in the battle seriously. And when we repent, we should do so earnestly. Um, And of course, this battle affects um, everything. It affects the way that we spend our money and our time. Um, It affects the way that we use our gifts and talents. Um, And dare I say it as well, um, it affects the way that we should engage in the political process, the way that we use our democratic voice um, in society. So it is right to fight when we are um, protecting God's people. And secondly... Um, It is right for us to fight when we are doing so to protect um, God's dwelling place where God lives. Now again, in Old Testament times, um, God's dwelling place was a physical place. It was the temple. Um, since the sacrifice of Jesus and since Pentecost, um, we now believe that God's dwelling place um, is within us as the body of Christ, as the church. It's also, of course, if, you've, uh, if you believe in Jesus, if you've accepted him, then his Holy Spirit lives within you. So his dwelling place is inside me, it's inside you, it's inside all of us who would call ourselves Christians. And I think this reminds us that if ever there are times that circumstances or that patterns of behaviour or thought uh, disturb God's presence in your life, then his dwelling place is under attack, effectively. The dwelling place of God is being threatened, um, and that is when you should be ready to fight. How do we know when this is happening? Well, I think for me... um, Galatians chapter 5, the famous passage about the fruits of the Spirit um, is always a worthwhile one one to come back to. Um, These fruits of the Spirit of God, um, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And I think when the Spirit of God is healthy and active within us, then these are the characteristics that we will be displaying. So I wonder in your life, um, if there are times, perhaps when those times are, um, that you feel, rather than these fruits of the Spirit, that you feel the opposite. um, Are the times, perhaps, when instead of love, you feel hatred? um, Or instead of joy, you feel misery, despair, hopelessness? Instead of gentleness, perhaps, are the times when you feel anger, when you feel resentment, when you feel bitterness. Now, none of us are perfect, of course, and we're all afflicted by these things from time to time. Um, But if you find that there's a situation that either persistently or in a very strong and exaggerated way makes you feel the opposites of these fruits of the Spirit, um, then I think that is when God's Holy Spirit, God's dwelling place within you, is under attack, is under spiritual attack. um, And you should not be willing to lie down and accept that, but rather you should be willing to fight. You should um, take, up, uh, take up arms spiritually and battle against what's happening. So um, we are called to fight when God's people are threatened, um, and we're called to fight when God's dwelling place um, is threatened. But how do we do it well? So moving on to how. How can, we, um, how can we fight in a way that will be successful, that will ultimately give us victory? Um, the uh, former heavyweight uh, boxing world champion, Mike Tyson, someone who's probably not very often been quoted from the, uh, from the pulpit here, um, but he famously said, everyone has plans until they get hit. Now it's not very likely that you and I will um, have to fight um, in the way that Mike Tyson did, Um, but I think those words probably ring true for us, they certainly ring true for me as well. Um, We can jump off our stool and enter the ring with lots of enthusiasm, lots of energy, with the very best of intentions, but as soon as we get the spiritual equivalent of uh, a punch in the face, It can be very painful, it can be humiliating, it can knock us backwards, and we lose all of the good intentions, all of the um, eagerness for the battle that we perhaps started out with. So how do we fight well? How do we fight in a way that will allow us to persevere? And how do we fight in a way that will enable us to be successful? I think one sentence, um, when I was thinking, reading through this psalm and thinking about what I was going to say this evening, um, there was one sentence that really answered this question for me. And it was, trust in the Lord and stand firm. Trust in the Lord and stand firm. So again, I'm going to think about the two separate parts of that. Um, Trust in the Lord, first of all. And I think um, Psalm 20, verse 7 is key here. And that's on the screens just behind us as well from the Psalm that we read. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Um, Now, chariots and horses, of course, were the super weapons of the day. Um, Nowadays, unfortunately, we have far, far more destructive weapons. Um, But, of course, it is still true that there is an almost endless list of things that people trust before they trust God, whether it's money or status or trying to achieve the perfect body, something that I've never had to worry about, as you can see. Um, social media likes, that's one that perhaps you know the younger generations are falling foul of. Um, I think we all know that these things ultimately are uh, meaningless. Ultimately these things will deceive us. They will not give us the satisfaction, the happiness that we, uh, that we crave. But still we fall for them. We as Christians fall for them as well. We trust in God ultimately because we know that um, the victory will be his, that he will not let us down, he will not deceive us, that he will satisfy us um, fully. Um, But how do we trust? How do you get to trust God? Well, we trust the people that we know well in life. Think about the people, the relationships you have, people who who you trust. Um, you trust someone because you know them, because they've proven themselves to be trustworthy, because you know their character. So I suppose the, the simple answer to that is um, get to know God. Spend time with him in prayer, prayer. Um, Get to know the scriptures, get to know his character and his priorities and his nature through uh, regular Bible reading. Spend time with others who know him as well. Um, certainly the experience of my life and I think many others, many others here as well has been that um, when you get to know God, you will realise that he is trustworthy. I think it's worth bearing in mind as well that with trust, there will always be um, risk. Even in our closest relationships, our relationships with husbands, wives, parents, children, um, when we choose to trust them, there's always an element of risk in that. Um, and I think God wants us to trust Him, wants us to learn to trust Him through risky and difficult situations. God called Peter to get out of the boat, and maybe God is calling you to do something similar. Maybe um, you know that God is calling you to do something that makes you feel uncomfortable, that you think is risky, um, perhaps even dangerous. Um, and if you do, if, if you're confident after prayer and after thought that this is God's will, um, then can I encourage you to do it? however hard you may think it's going to be. Um, the past four or five years, um, my wife and I, Claire, um, have both, f- first me and then her, um, decided to uh, leave our jobs at a time when we didn't have anything else to um, to go on to. Um, and that felt like a very risky thing to do, particularly when when I did it. I- I'm the one who provides my my work provides the the bulk of our income um, and i'd got to the point where I felt very strongly that God was calling me out of the job that I was doing um, and I did, but it felt very risky at the time. God has proven himself to be entirely trustworthy uh, My wife Claire has just very recently after um months of unemployment and temporary um temporary work has got a new job which the our son is starting school in September and the circumstances of this job could not be more ideal for Corinne's school hours um, for what he's going to be doing from September um, and it's been uh, it's been a tough six or seven months for Claire um, but she felt back in October November that it was right